What's the latest, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Paint show presented by Ball is Life. Your hosts here, as always, Devin Ugland, Ronnie Flores. Ronnie, a couple long days in the gym this weekend as the start of club slash travel slash AAU basketball has unofficially begun. Um, yep. You spent a day over at uh, Ladera along with me uh, for Dinos Tragonis Best of the West shootout. A lot of the you know top Southern California teams were in attendance there. I then shot over to Thousand Oaks. That's really not shooting over there. It's a quite a yeah, quite a trek. trek to get out there to Mamba Mamba Academy, Mamba Sports Academy, whatever it's called these days, for the prep hoops uh, hustle season circuit kickoff, which was a nice event. Ronnie, um, what did you see in this? For, you know, club basketball is way different than high school basketball. Give me your thoughts on what you see, then I'll, what you saw, then I'll kind of give you some of my thoughts, and you know, we'll tell the, the listeners what we look for. But first, what did you see? Yeah, Devin, um, it it kicked off in you know kind of grand fashion. It was a lot of teams there. Um, I see teams just getting their footing, just yeah. getting trying to figure out who's on their roster. <laughs> that's always that's always the yeah. hardest part. Who's on their damn roster? Yeah, because you look at kind of like the we the McDonald's game took place last Wednesday kind of the season's wrapping up national all-star games as we get into the travel ball season and you know the players that had you know either still playing still practicing or just finish up with state or what their playoffs they seem to be playing a little better than the guys who maybe finished like a month ago yeah you know uh we saw that in the mcdonald's game with like isaiah stewart and cole anthony you know those guys are getting ready for geico this week compared to like somebody like anthony edwards who's Team was barely 500. He's been done for like a month. Yeah, right. You know, so I, I look at that as in the high school too, uh, transferring to the transitioning to the um, grassroots game, and uh, I've seen obviously the more talented teams uh, have good players, but you you can see where there's going to be movement, and or there's going to see where like maybe that's a good fit. That's not, you know, like I look at Dream Vision 17U. Clayton a of, Williams. A lot team. of big guys. They got on that so team. Many, a lot of big guys. And they all want to play on the perimeter. Yeah, and then you know who's going to kind of take the, the the like you said, make big perimeter shots. Right. Who's going to have uh, with the ball handling? You know. So we, I was kind of joking with Kyrie Walker's dad about it. Um, you know, we were, it was lighthearted, but he he understands what he understand where I was coming from. So uh, Compton Magic has two seventeen teams. Yeah. Um, saw a little bit of their underclass teams, the sixteen and the fifteen. Um, in terms of gameplay. None of the like there were. I didn't see a game that was like uh, there was a couple lower lower what we call lower level team non shoot teams. Sure, put a couple good games, but you know I think the the big teams just wanted to get a good warm up and see what they have, see who's playing well. Um, I saw a lot of talent, but I didn't see any anything particular that uh, really kind of yeah. flat, like kind of stood out and like yeah that somebody wow stepped you. up their last their game in okay. the last month or something. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, so it was very interesting. And uh, you know it, it was good. It was good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, you know what you see in terms <laughs> of like not uh, you can talk about a couple of players, but what you see in terms of what, what you're looking for. I mean, player players wise, the thing yeah. is, the thing for me is like the players are the players, right? Yeah. And whoever whomever's listening to this podcast, whether like a national level or a SoCal level, if I start naming off kind of lower level names, you're not gonna give yeah. two, you're not gonna give two shits about those guys. But um, I think from a gameplay standpoint. A lot of the teams used Dinos event as a tune-up, you sure. know, kind of get get their footing. Like you said, it's hard, you know, new guys playing together for the first time. Yeah. 
in a real you know game atmosphere, not like a you know a practice or whatnot. So everyone's just trying to gain their footing and figure out who likes to do what, where they like the ball, when they like the ball, and get a general feel for how the team's going to function. So a lot of the games were blowouts. Yeah, you know what I mean. It wasn't really there wasn't really a whole lot of competitive gameplay going on. Um, but like you said, Dream Vision. <laughs> 17s they've got so much talent like so much talent yeah a lot of talent how you put it together is is the key and you that team needs somebody to distribute the ball yep and then come to magic 17s the elite team is kind of the same way they need a guy to distribute the ball to the likes of the evan mobley's uh johnny juzang you know those guys like to be put in position to score. Sure. Not well, have that's to be the guy would, initiating the position to score. Yeah, that would be where they would fit it best. Does that make yeah. sense? And they have yeah. the, their second 17s team is also very good. DJ Davis, one of my favorite players, regardless of class in the country, Issa Silva, who's a fantastic point guard. Um, but that team is another team that has to figure it all gel. out and yeah, to start to gel. So it's hard to uh, get a true read on players uh, and their capabilities in the first weekend of a travel tournament. If that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of because they don't really know each other. They don't know, you know, they're transitioning from a different style of play of high school to another brand of basketball, which is completely different that you'll find in the high school level, which is travel ball. But so since we can't really, you know, speak on individual players right now, uh, I want to kind of give the listeners an idea of what people like you and I actually look for and like what we're scouting, quote unquote, at the club level compared to the high school level. So give me some thoughts on, on that. What, what do you look for at the club travel circuits um, that might be different from what you look at high, from high school? Um, I, I look and see, Devin, see who guys who can um, obviously fit in, adjust and adapt. Can you, you know, play off the ball? Can you play with the ball? Are you going to hustle and do the, the small things to help your team win? Body language, too. I notice. There's yeah. some kids that are not happy with their whether they're happy with their playing time or maybe how they're being used, and you can even kind of see it whether you don't know all their parents. You know some of their parents, but you know the parents may be a little frustrated too. You know, oh, this ain't going the way I thought it was hey, going to go. Parents these days, days are all, most most of them. Ninety five percent of them are maybe worse than the the players themselves. In terms, of, yeah, you can Straight see up, a lot yeah. of their body language yeah. and see what their kids thinking. Right, so. You know, can he overcome that? Can you overcome that adversity? Um, you know, so I see teams that are, you can tell teams that are just trying to gel together, and you can say, tell the teams that maybe they know each other a little bit longer. And um, so I look for that, look for the kids' body language. And, and like you said, if I'm projecting at a certain level, I'm trying to see if that skill fits him and, and what improvement i've seen since let's say the middle of the season okay you know what improvements whether it's uh ball handling uh shooting mm-hmm. uh you know that that type of thing um also look for a kid that uh you shows signs of like having good stamina um good teamwork okay uh nothing too pre- in different other than the obviously the game playing is different sure but you should still be playing the game the right way, the right way, in the same way if you if you're in a you know a playoff game. So, uh, what do you look for, Devin? Yeah, I'm on the similar lines as you. It's it's like we know yeah. we see so many high school games and club yeah. games and whatnot. We know these kids' skill sets. 
Yeah. So what are you doing to improve your game is number one. Sure. You know, I, I was talking to uh, Daniel Smith. He operates Game Point Orange County. Okay. And we were just having a conversation at the Prep Hoops thing in Thousand Oaks yesterday about, you know, yeah, all the club coaches and, you know, people involved, like winning is great. Like you want to win games, obviously. At sure. any level you're competing, you want to win games. But at the club level, I mean, it's not the end of the world if you lose a game. But if your guys are playing hard, number one, yeah. playing the right way. And I like to see kids try to do things outside of their comfort zone at the club level. Okay. To tr- show, truly show that they're trying to grow. I'll give you an example. Los Angeles Elite, they won the 17U uh, division championship at the Hustle Season kickoff. And they have a shooter. You saw him at the Damien Classic, Jay Quilliak. Uh, from Valencia out yeah. near Magic Mountain, you know, six two, good size, great jump shooter. But what I liked for, that I saw from him was he was trying to go to that mid range pull up. You know, he was yeah. shot faking guys because there's always bad closeouts at the club level, of bad course. defense. Yeah, guys flying right. So over. his three wasn't dropping, so he wasn't you know trying to force three point shots. He was shot faking, get to the mid range and trying to hit the pull up, trying to get to the basket, get fouled, get to the free throw line. He was trying to do things outside of his comfort zone to make him a better player. So those are kind of that's that's one of the things I like to see. Another thing, like you said, are you playing the right way? Are you hustling? Are you you know diving on the floor for loose balls? Are you not, you know, you make a good pass, your teammate blows a layup, you're not bitching at them because they missed a layup. Like who cares, dude? Yeah. Like you know, pick them up. Yeah, be, yeah, be a good them. yeah, be a good teammate. I look for things like that because, uh, you know, there's a lot of good travel basketball. There's a lot of good club basketball. There's a lot of bad club basketball there's a lot of bad travel basketball it goes both ways on the high sure. school level and the travel level so if you're trying to play the right way uh you're trying to you know do things outside your comfort zone make yourself a better player uh being a good teammate you know uh, not sitting on the bench at the end of the bench sulking because you got taken out of the game because you screwed up um things like that are the kind of the guidelines that i follow uh, are you playing with the motor um you know you're getting back on defense i so many times dude so many times you see a kid you know miss a layup or throw the ball away, turnover, and they just stand at the three-point line or yeah, in the pain on the other end, don't even try to you know get back on defense. You've seen that. And you see that over, a lot. Over, overall at the Pangos uh, event down at Ladera, I did see good hustling. I did see um, you know strong plays, good clean fouls. I didn't see a lot of sloppiness other than the talent. Maybe the talent level for, was uneven on certain games. Yeah. You know, so it was 65 to 29 or whatever. But right. I didn't try to try to focus on that too much as I know you wouldn't either. Um, yeah, you know, I'm with you in terms of trying to uplift your teammates and and expand your game. But, you know, I, I don't want to see a kid doing something that is not nah, just out of his way out of his realm. I'll give you an example. Uh, Rock Johnson's I can team. Uh, Dalen Williams, who's going to be a post-graduate or is going to, you know, uh, still looking for a scholarship to 18 player. He played really good in his first game. And then the second game, they got away. The game got away. He was playing Julius, uh, Julius's team. Cali Stars. The Cali Stars. And he shot a couple too many three-pointers, you know, shot a Kamasa shot. It wasn't what he was 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 doing, um, what he would normally do to look good. Okay. So, and, and there were some, some lower-level colleges there. Um, maybe not as many as I expected for the amount of teams, but there was a couple colleges there. And, um, you know, I don't know what, what you saw at the prep hoops event on well, Sunday, key, yeah, what the, if you saw any, you know, D2s or NAIs. You saw some D2s, NAIs yeah. and stuff like that. But the key, I think yeah. we, the key point you're trying to say is yeah. for, especially for, I saw, you know, I, I, that brings to the light that I saw 
ton of unsigned seniors this year. Like, sure. Wh- I mean, there's always a lot. There's always a but lot. But I yeah. saw like way more unsigned seniors this year than I've seen the last three or four years. If you're an unsigned senior. And there's still two 18s out there too. There's still two 18s out there, which is just yeah gross. But if you're an unsigned senior and you're playing as an unsigned senior in the, in the spring, you have to understand that D2s, D3s, NAIAs, and JUCOs can be in the gym watching you yeah. basically at any point during the spring. So you've got to play your best, just like you would in a CIF playoff game. You've got to be on your best if you're trying to... On point, yeah. If you're trying to impress a college yeah. coach. I mean, and you got to be better than the 220s, gotta, yeah. 221s. You better be. Right. I mean, you're you're two to three years older than yeah. some of those 220s, 221s that you're playing against. Yeah. So... Any kid, you never know who's in the gym watching you, whether it's myself, not that anyone gives a damn what I think, or Ronnie, not that anyone gives a damn what he thinks, but college coaches, opportunities are there, and people are, are watching you that you might not know. So for me, the key is just always be on your game. Always be ready to play. Don't show up you know, three minutes before tip and start stretching on the sideline and then check in and turn the ball over seven times and take a couple of shitty shots. That That's not going to help you. I agree. Um, you know, that was a good start. Obviously, it'll pick up. We got um, we got some more high school events this weekend, the fourth through the sixth. Yeah, Geico and Nationals. Geico let's let's National get on that in New York. We got uh, Jordan Brand coming up. We'll talk a little bit about the big baller game uh, that just happened. So we got plenty to to cover. Uh, I want to take a little step step back. Unfortunately, we have some bad news coming out of LA. Thirty uh, three year old rapper Nipsey Hussle was murdered or executed on Sunday afternoon yep. in front of his place of business that he opened near the corner of Crenshaw and Slauson was kind of an epicenter of South Central and, and, and just the the actual, you know, LA culture. You know, a lot of people hang out on Crenshaw on Sundays and on the weekends. And, um, you know, it was a big blow for the community. The guy was He's doing, he's doing great things for the community in LA. Yeah, he's, he's you know, you consider he's young and you're kind of like, well, from a standpoint of of music and a standpoint of culture, you're like, man, as uh, do these kids understand how big the notorious BIG and, and Tupac were? And I guess that's kind of like this this guy for some of them is kind of like their guy, you know? Yeah. And it was really a crushing blow for people. Obviously all over social media you can see it this morning. On, this is Monday morning. You know, this is happened on Sunday afternoon. People are, are you know, paying their tributes and respects. So it's just amazing. Uh, it kind of makes you think about, uh, you know, how young Tupac and Biggie were. They were twenty five and maybe twenty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's thirty three, which is still young, extremely young. Yeah, and it's you know he just put out his first, I guess you would call it commercial. I don't know. You know if I'm using the right terminology. He had many mixtapes. Many. He's been on many collaborations, but last year he put out his first uh complete album mm-hmm. you know and uh he's been around for 10 years or so so uh, incredible it's unshocking and he was a big basketball fan Devin so uh he was actually at the West Regional in Anaheim at the Texas Tech game so uh transitioning into that why don't you talk a little bit about uh the four uh lead eight you know the lead eight games and in, in it start with Texas Tech and then go from there. What what you kind of uh, your impressions? You know, unfortunately, it's crazy. The guy was there on Saturday afternoon yeah, in Anaheim, I mean, and then he he passes away twenty four hours later. And right. here we are on Monday talking right. about before him before we get that. into any any yeah. of that. Yeah. It's it's rare. I'm gonna say it's rare, but it doesn't get enough 
publicity or credit or whatever when someone who grew up in the Los Angeles area um, in that, you know, in that South Central, South Central area and in that general vicinity, it, you know, becomes a, a highly popular artist or basketball player or entertainer, whatever, whatever, making, yeah. making money, but then reinvesting that money within the yeah. community and, you know, trying to enrich others' lives. Yeah. Gets taken away from doing what he's trying to do, uh, doing good for God, inexplicable reasons, reasons you can't even fathom. It's sick. It, it's just, it's sick. Yeah, it's it's uh, very unfortunate. Um, obviously, you know, people have their theories and their details. Right, there's conspiracy and, theories out there, and I, I mean, I got yeah. no clue. You got yeah. no clue. We know, I mean, hopefully LAPD can, you know, identify the source and, and figure it out. Um, but it's just... Yeah, and there's already it's words that the person that killed him is already dead. So yeah, right. It's crazy, you know. It's just, uh, but that's a that's, you know, he, he the guy did say he wanted to live his life his way and be an artist his way, and that's one one thing you got to give him credit for. You know, right. He didn't. He wanted. To, he didn't want to conform to anything, and maybe that was the reason. Because I'm saying I'm, you know, finding out I knew about it that he's been an artist for ten years. You know, people of the younger generation than before us really look up to him. And maybe that's why, you know, his album didn't come out till last year. Maybe he was wanted to do it his way. So you got to commend him or compliment him for that. And, um, you know, he was a big basketball fan. He was at Laker games, and yeah. he was just at the game. I think he was at that game when the Lakers and, and uh, the Rockets got in a fight, and he was, he was all excited. All, yeah, yeah, right? He was it's ready to go. Yeah, It's, it's too bad. Um, but obviously the Elite Eight took place, you know, at various sites across the country over the weekend. And Texas Tech defeated Gonzaga. Virginia beat Purdue. We'll get into that Kihei Clark play in a, in a little bit. Uh, Michigan State beat Duke. Uh, people called it an upset, but was it really an upset? We'll get into that as well. And Auburn beat Kentucky, two SEC teams who have gone at it, you know, multiple times over the year already. And that was that was a great game. Uh, most of these games pretty much came down to the wire, um, if I'm not mistaken. I was in the gym, you know, in Ladera and Thousand Oaks, so I didn't get to really see like every game every minute play, for a minute for play, but yeah. i was always you know paying attention you know watching sports shows and recaps um i think there's a theme among these final four teams which is texas tech virginia michigan state and auburn they're all experienced we yep. we we play so much into the freshman phenoms and the one and duns and you know the top recruiting classes you know and you know putting, how they translate how they yeah. translate to the college level this yeah. year you know while kentucky who was you know heavily led by freshmen and Duke, obviously led by four freshmen who are fantastic, all of which could be first round picks in the upcoming NBA draft. But the Final Four, it's it's led by experienced teams. You look at um, Texas Tech, Jarrett Culver, Matt Mooney, Brandon Francis, all upperclassmen. You look at um, Virginia, Kyle Guy, Mamadi Diakite, Ty Jerome pretty much all under upperclassmen. While there there was always freshmen on these teams who are contributors. Sure. But the majority of these guys are upperclassmen. Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman's a sophomore at Michigan State, and Matt McQuaid, he's a senior at Michigan State. Uh, Bryce Brown and Jared Harper, junior and senior at Auburn. So is that kind of surprising to you to see that the more experienced teams this year made it to the Final Four, or is that kind of where college is kind of leaning towards going? Um, I, I'm not surprised. Because um, the game becomes a half court game, sure, and maybe the teams that execute a little better, uh, maybe even have a little stronger, maybe a little more brand of toughness, okay, have made it through. Um, 
and you look at those four programs, those four coaches are really highly regarded for sure within the industry or, or also within. Now they may have their defaults. I know Bruce Pearl people, you know, saying, "Oh, Bruce Pearl's crazy," <laughs> right? But Bruce Bruce Pearl can really coach, like can, in can, the game day, in the middle of the game, right? People forget all so the things he's been through. You see the antics, like you yeah. see people making fun of his, you know, yeah. faces during yeah. games or his yeah. antics during yeah. games. But clearly, you know, Bruce Pearl is not just an energy guy, like a raw, yeah. like people maybe consider him a raw raw guy. And when I yeah. say that, I mean like he's a rally of the troops, quote unquote. People like to Correct. use those weird buzzwords and terms. But Bruce Pearl, I think, proved that he can he can coach a little bit. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. I like, uh, you know, obviously the Texas Tech guy who UNLV thought was oh, going to be their coach. He can. I yeah. mean, that dude just, he just knows how to coach. Yeah. Straight and, up. You know, obviously uh, Bennett is the son of a coach. And we, we've known for quite some time that he can coach. And yeah. Tom Izzo, Michigan State. I, I mean, Tom he's, Izzo's at the top of the game. When you really think about year in, year out, consistency, um. You know he is fiery. I thought that made a big difference, to tell you the truth. Uh, when I when I saw Duke, they didn't respond to Michigan State's punches, so it looked like Duke was going to take control. But Michigan State hit big shots, and then they they got the dunk and one. You know, it was like whoa, they're in this game, and and Duke just didn't respond in the half court. They didn't know what they 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 just kind of oh we'll get it we'll figure it out you know RJ Baird hit a couple shots made a couple bad plays and Zion didn't get the ball it's more of the same thing we saw a year from that team actually yeah. I think Zion you took know? one shot in the last two minutes yeah you know so you know, I remember they there was a post entry pass and the pass was kind of high and and then you know there was a lot of contact there they didn't call it so you know they they didn't really respond the way I thought whereas Izzo was in his guys' faces again Cassius Winston's pushing Izzo back. <laughs> relax, dude. Relax, you know. You got a couple guys on the bench trying to calm Izzo down, which is great. You know, so it's leadership. It's on-court leadership. Um, you know, you got to start looking at Izzo. I believe this is his eighth Final Four since 99, which is 20 years. His runs kind of started with the Flintstones, the Charlie Bell, uh, Mo Pete, you know, Mo that Pete, Antonio yep. Smith group. And they've had that culture of toughness since then, and yeah. it's never really wavered. They're not always the most talented team. No. You know, but uh, the the main stat I saw popping out to me from these four teams that advanced to the Final Four this weekend in, in Minneapolis is that the highest scoring freshman is five and a half, five point nine points per game. Okay, and right, that's it. Yeah, the rest are all are all who, sophomores, who, juniors, yeah, seniors, yeah, all guys who who uh, who contributed. So I think when the talent level is not overwhelming, like we said, there's so many players who are in. Off into the NBA. The good example is Carson Edwards of Purdue, yeah. who was a high school All American. Uh-huh. You know, he made my All American team. He was well known. He played for Houston Hoops as a younger player um, with De'Aaron Fox. But those those kids, everybody said, "Well, he's overlooked. This is you know a travesty." Well, the top kids in his the cup guards in his two sixteen class are already in the NBA. So I don't really think it's here's, overlooked. So here's my thing: Lonzo he, Ball's already in the NBA. Yeah. Darren Fox is already yeah. in the NBA. And the, you know, thing so is, it's like he's doing doing a good job. I was thinking about this earlier yeah. when, when I was at home. It's like everyone yeah. everyone is yeah. slept on or <laughs> underrated it's or a whatever. Great story. It's, yeah. it's fine. Like okay, he's at Purdue. He's not. You know, he didn't go to a D two, a low yeah. a low major or D two. Yeah, like he's, he's at, fine. He's at Purdue. He's a good player in the Final Four. He's leading yeah. the this year's NCAA tournament in points scored. Yeah, and he won the regional. MVP, even though they lost, I think the first guy to do that uh, since the Davidson, Steph Curry. 
Shit, he lost. My bad. He's not in the yeah. final four. He's yeah, in the elite. My bad. No, yeah, right. In that regional, he won the MVP. Sure. Yeah. And and they lost. So he had a great game. Uh, and nothing against. I thought when they were up, they were trailing one. If anybody's in a tournament, it's going to shoot a three. It's going to be him, mm-hmm. Carson Edwards. They were up. They were up. They were trailing by one against Virginia. He had gotten to the basket a couple times against Kia Clark. He'd beaten them a couple times. A couple times, Kia Clark. Forced him to the help. Mm-hmm. But the previous possession before, he'd scored. And I just thought, man, why did he shoot that three? Again, if anybody's going to shoot the three, it's going to be him. But he sh- he shot a three and he missed it. And, and Virginia kind of took control. And then in overtime, you know, Katie Clark played good D on a couple of possessions. And one possession, he forced him to the sideline. Or maybe that was kind of set up and he threw a pass and was out of bounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty good D by Kia Clark. So you're going, man, you know. Him and I saw it in a few other games. Devin, I just see teams down threes. one, down two, and they're shooting threes with time left, with plenty with of time left. In the clock to go get a quick left. two and foul and yeah, play, play that what game. Do you, what do you think about that? I saw that. Um, let me see the one <laughs> game that I really saw that is I think Texas Tech Gonzaga, Florida State Gonzaga. It definitely happened in the Oregon Virginia yeah. game. Oregon was Oregon settling Oregon a lot. Yeah, sh- settling for a lot of threes. Um, that was in the regional semifinal. So what is your take there? Uh, obviously, the, the three is a big part of the game, but just shooting a three by down one or down two. You're right. I mean, the three-point line is obviously, when it was yeah. implemented, has completely changed the way the game is played now. Sure. Um, big men, five, fours and fives are now stretch fours and stretch yeah. fives, and if you can't shoot the three as a four or five, then people will kind of look down upon you <laughs> on that. Yeah, which but, is crazy to me. But. Right, but again, but here's the thing. In in a pressure situation like that, uh, go get it like go get a quick two, foul, put someone on the free throw line and make them make a free throw in a clutch situation. Because again, like that's a mindset thing. If a guy's tough enough uh, mentally to step up to that line with all those people watching and the game on the line and and hit those shots, uh, you know you tip your cap to them. But again, you you can't just come down and jack threes when drives and twos and maybe you get fouled and finish. Put you in the same situation, but at Correct. a much higher percentage of making that shot. That's what I'm getting at. You, you, you again, take Carson Edwards out of it because he played terrific. But right, he had 40, uh, pl- yeah. 40 plus points, right? Yeah, a couple other guys are shooting threes and go, man, you don't need this shot. Especially Oregon that's not their game. Yeah, especially Oregon. Uh, the, the freshman, Lewis King, shot a couple threes. It was, I just think they needed them at the time. You know, uh, they were right in that game. They easily could have won that game. Uh, I feel like it's like an instant gratification kind of thing. Yeah. Like you want that. You want that three. You want the, oh, oh you, we're, yeah. we're down two. I want the lead. Let's yeah, we're going to get the lead. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get the lead if we hit this. But I, the couple problems I see is, um, like you said, if you go to the basket and you get a good look and it's obviously a good touch and it's from closer, you have a better chance to get an offensive rebound right okay. around yeah. the basket. Uh-huh. When you shoot the three, you don't know if it's going long on the other side of the rim. It comes off way different. It just so the ball is yeah, going all over what the place. What you're saying is not only is the initial shot a high percentage shot, shot, but you also have a higher percentage of getting a second chance yeah. at a high percentage shot. Is or that what you're reset saying? Or reset. Or reset. Yeah. I just when you jack a three, especially when the you're not set, the ball's just coming off all over. Yeah. I even seen some threes where the other four guys on the team are like, whoa, okay, now I gotta go get the They didn't even know it's going up. Yeah, they're not even know it's going up. Yeah. And that's a big problem I, I saw. So hopefully coaches you know, keep working on that. Obviously, the three's not going anywhere. It's going to continue to be a huge weapon. I think we should get should. a four-point line. What do you think yeah, about that? I mean, yeah, exactly. Who can really shoot? I mean, yeah. you're going <laughs> to just be jacking up. You know, it's crazy. So, um, 
obviously the teams that made the good smart plays uh, got it done. Yeah, and uh, obviously we talked about Kihei Clark's defense, and let's not take away from Carson Edwards. He scored forty two points mm-hmm. or whatnot. So take us through what you saw on what's been the play of the tournament, the of the tournament. so far. You know that. There was a tip rebound, so Diakade, if I don't know if it's saying his name right, tips the ball back. Now you're thinking, okay, there's no possession there. He goes into the backcourt. Kia Clark gets it. It's, you know, seven, six, five. He's got the internal clock in his head. Instead of jacking up, like we're saying, a, a, <laughs> a running three from 32 feet, he rips the ball over. He made a pass. To the guy who tipped it out. An advanced pass. Yeah, so talk about that. To I the always... guy who tipped it out, he hit it back to him. He kept the ball high. Yeah. With the nice touch, didn't use the glass and made the shot and was like to tie the game. Whoa, put obviously, it in overtime. So talk, right. go through that sequence and just tell us what you think. Yeah, put, it, put the game into overtime. Yeah. Obviously, Virginia won in overtime. So yeah. game saving slash winning play. Yeah. Um, most people who are not named Kihei Clark and do, who do not have that high of a basketball IQ would have had 1.8 seconds on the clock and launched up a half-court shot and then you're out of the tournament, right? Yeah. Kihei Clark instead, like you said, gets it, fires a bullet a bull pass, pass. Yeah. to DKT. We have to give him credit. For the catch. The catch and, and keeping, keeping it high. high. Yeah. One motion. One motion, putting it up with the touch. I mean... He didn't bring it down. That was a perfect play. Everything was was perfect about it. I'm not sure if, if Ty Jerome missed that second free throw on purpose or not, uh, or if they were you know planning on making that, because there was a sub at the table. So okay. I'm not sure if Tony, Tony Bennett was playing some mind games there and making... You know, Michigan State think that Michigan State. God, I'm so horrible today. Making Purdue, yeah, think that um, they were subbing in. He's always planning on making the free throw, and they may, maybe relax a little bit and allow Diakite to tip that ball back. But um, that's more conspiracy theory there. Um, but it was a perfect play, and only someone with a ridiculous basketball IQ off the charts like Kihei Clark has had since he was a little guy. He's still a little guy, but a bigger little guy. Um, he, he's always had that that IQ. And those are the kind of plays that when high school kids or youth basketball players are watching the NCAA tournament and looking for things to take away to put into their arsenal or things to the right way to play the game, that's the exact play that you point to and say, hey, that's how you play the game right there. Yeah, I, I would love and to Kihei, show that. Kihei always makes plays like that. Yeah, I would love to show that play to uh, people or young kids that want to learn the game. That was just, you know, he saw, it's not like you said he's 6'5". He's 5'9". And he has to look, see it, you know, okay, know the clock. I have enough time to make this pass. Boom. Nice catch. Nice everything. Um, you know, got to give credit. Like, we always talk about the high-level teams. We just talked about Dream Vision, Compton Magic, Houston Hoops. Uh, any you know, shoe other, circuit any, team. Yeah, any shoe circuit team. You know, we don't give a lot of credit on this Potter, obviously, anywhere. In Twitter, to guys who were working with kids. So I, I want to give credit to um, Sean Bankhead, who's worked. He's a former player for Iowa State for Larry Ustashi. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked or was coaching with at the time with SoCal, SoCal California Cavs, and he had Kia Clark. <laughs> Southern California Cavs. He yep. had Kia Clark. He had Tyler Dorsey, and he had Marcus Levette, probably like as ten and eleven year olds. Okay. And you say, okay, that's a you know, they're, they're people know about them. They're Pasadena area kids or whatnot. Or you know, obviously, kids in LA play for various teams, and two of those, two of those three kids have, are playing in the Final Four. Have played in the Final Four, so yeah, I like to give credit to that 
you know, that sure. type of story. And Love then it. also, you know, let's talk a little bit, give some credit to Derek Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's coached Kihei. He's coached another kid who's in, doing good in the NBA, Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Jordan he was, Farmer. He was with Dorsey McDon- at, yeah. uh, at, at St. John Bosco, or am I wrong? Yeah. 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 You know, Daniel Hamilton? Yeah, Daniel Hamilton. So just talking about from the point guard position. Okay, point guard, you know, okay. Yeah, you, you get Dinwiddie, Jordan Farmer, yeah. McDonald's All-American, Larry Drew. I, okay. You know, but so, man. Long list of PGs doing, there. doing the really good job. So even though Key didn't wasn't in like a Mr. Basketball, wasn't, you know. In every, every All-American game, team. something no, like that. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know. Did a hell of a job, and, and kudos to that kid, and kudos to the to the coaching he's gotten over the years uh, from various people. So uh, he's just a straight basketball player. Yeah, I mean, he's just a straight up. Well, it's very interesting because I was mentioning a couple guys on social media. I go, man, you know, we discussed Kia Clark for last year's Paula's Life game, and I said, <laughs> hey, these guys won the EYB. It's not like they came out of nowhere. So I was like, a Kinjo was a lock. That was a, a, a pretty. I don't think it was a very hard pick to pick a Kinjo, but. But Kie was one of those guys we discussed, and unfortunately, just we, you know, okay, we're gonna pick somebody else, or we're gonna, you know, oh, we're gonna get a big guy to match up with, uh, you know, Nas Reed or you're something. You're trying to match up. You're yeah. trying to yeah. Uh, so uh, it's all, tough. all American game. Yeah. Any any all American game selection is tough because yeah. you want a combination of talent, yeah. top end talent. You want the top end talent. You want a uh, flash. Guys who are make flashy plays, yeah. guys who are yeah. social media mavens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want matchups to make sure that teams are evenly matched up. Yeah. And you want basketball players. You want yep. guys who are gonna make who are who come in who are hungry, underrated, uh, and want to make Akinjo. the game better. That was that was the Akinjo ad. Sure. Um so not you know just not every all American game is yeah. perfect. Sometimes yeah. you miss, sometimes you you hit. Yep. And Kihei Clark is clearly making a case that a lot of people missed whether it's uh but the other people didn't even didn't even consider him that's so maybe we, it's you know every a lot of people miss whether yeah. it's an all-american game selection committee whether or it's all state whatever. all state selection whether yeah. it's an all he was obviously all cif player whether it's a, a college coach who overlooked him or whatnot he's making people pay yeah and that's good you're making a lot of people pay and i'm, I'm happy for him because he's i talked to him you and i've talked to him multiple times yeah great kid yeah he knows one of the best. Yeah, when he's uh, with Rockfish, uh, real low key. Yep. Yeah, so Rockfish is like that a little bit. Yeah, in general, they don't make a lot of waves, make a lot team. of noise. They just come to the gym, yeah. play their game, leave, and and leave. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, I so, like that. I got another guy who uh, you know is making waves in the NCAA tournament. Who is now out? Duke's Zion Williamson. Obviously, is going to be his last game played at Duke because uh, he's probably the number one overall pick. He's going to sign a massive shoe contract. One of the most exciting slash electric players that we've seen in college basketball, in your opinion, ever. Yeah, in a long, long time. Long, long time. Maybe ever. not the best player, but the one of his like, we're wow, at. you got to watch. You, ha- you got to watch him. As far as Duke's yeah. on TV, or oh, whomever's yeah. on TV, are you gonna are you scrolling through your little guide with your Doritos on the couch and your brewski or whatever yeah. you're drinking? Uh, are you gonna click on Duke versus Duke versus who? Anybody? Duke yeah. versus Cal State Fullerton? You're gonna click on it. Yeah. Yes, you are. You are because Zion Williamson's playing. Yeah, uh, you just want to see what the guy can do. Yeah, and there's What's the next thing he could do. Right now, now, the current debate that I've been seeing on all these topic, all these sports shows, hot take shows is: is Zion Williamson the best player in Duke history? Oh, so yeah, let's this break is, that down. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's fodder talk. You know, Monday not a morning. Fair talk. question. No, no, I, I don't think so because they didn't go to the Final Four, and he's been one year. And um, 
you know, so is he better than Jaleel Okafor? He's probably better talent, I guess. Okay. And that's not even one of the top end guys on, you know, in, in Duke history. Um, we're talking Christian Leitners. We're talking uh, Grant Hills. Uh, we're talking Marina High School legend Cherokee Parks. And just kidding on that Cherokee Parks one. But uh, <laughs> I'm wearing actually, I'm actually wearing my Marina High School basketball shirt right yeah. now, so I had to go with Cherokee. You do the Cherokee Parks. They kind of, you know, Johnny Dawkins. Johnny Dawkins. John, you know, Jay Billis would say Johnny Dawkins is the most important player in Duke history. Kind of that class with Mark O'Leary, him, and Johnny Dawkins kind of got Duke started. Okay. Jay, Will, a, Jay yeah. Williams is in that conversation as one of the top players in Duke history. Played three yeah. years, won a national title. Shane Battier. Shane Battier. Grant Hill. Christian Leitner. So uh, that talk, let's talk a little bit about that. But I want to talk a little bit about Coach K and just what people think of now. So in, in 1978, uh, Duke with Bill Foster made the Final Four. And they had a great freshman. Um, he was out of uh, Pennsylvania. He played in the NBA. His name is he's just crossing my, my mind right now. There were two great freshmen that year. It was uh, at Magic Johnson. It was Albert King who played at Maryland. And the kid, there was a kid who went to Duke. So anyway, he was as big as any recruit that Coach K ever ever got. So everybody said like, you know, so Duke's been good. And then when they got Coach K, who was kind of a Bobby Knight disciple, people wanted to fire him after the first couple years. He was like, I think 81, 82. They're like, this guy's not going to get it done uh-huh. against Dean Smith. And they stuck with him, and then they brought that group in. Johnny Dawkins, um, you know, Mark O'Leary, Jay Billis. And, okay. that, and they went to the Final Four in 86 as seniors and lost to Louisville. And uh, so he gets a lot of credit, Johnny Dawkins. And then they started getting really good players, you know, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley. Yep. So And they stayed, and they went to a lot of Final Fours. So I, I don't look at Zion Williamson as – as even on that level, well, here, I think the best player ever at Duke is Christian Leitner. I agree. And By far. He's one of the top five to seven players, I think, in NCAA history. NCAA history because of his accomplishments. Correct. You can't take away what he did. Four, he's the first main player to play in four Final Fours. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kareem and Bill Walton, those guys couldn't play in four. Um, right, because freshmen could not play, play uh, quote-unquote, varsity basketball until in college. Right? Yeah, <laughs> this is wild. Do you think about it? That's yeah. wild. Yeah, it's, it's a different time. Yeah, different it's for time. sure a different time. Our, some of our buddies, you know, like Jim Jones, our buddy Jim Jones, the trainer, he had to play freshman ball at the University of Nevada. Yeah. You know, they were on the freshman team. So that he, was normal. So what was Jim Jones doing as a freshman? Ripping crossovers yeah, in, the, in yeah. the Muni? Yeah, he was, you know, <laughs> he was, it was big time. It was good ball, though, because other yeah. teams had other good freshmen. Right. And sometimes those freshmen were just as good as the upperclassmen. So, you know, you take a little bit of history lesson there. But, um, you know, going back to Christian Lehner, so they, he's the first big time player to lead his team and be a part of four Final Fours. He hit two epic legendary ep- shots. Two epic legendary shots in the Elite Eight to get Duke to two of those Final Fours, including the one against Kentucky, which is probably people think it's the best college basketball game ever played. That it was, was 10 the pass for 10 from Grand from Hill. Line. Yeah, it was 10 yeah. for 10 from the line, 10 for 10 from the field. So, I mean. Perfect game. Yeah, perfect game. <laughs> plus, so Zion plus, Williamson. Plus the, plus the game winning slash yeah. game saving shot. Correct. The game, the game winning shot at the buzzer. Yeah. So. Zion Williamson's done nothing like that. And and talk a little bit about that game. Like we said, you know, R.J. Barry hit a big three. Then he kind of he shot that one that seemed fast. It hit the front of the rim. was way off. Um, you know, how is Zion Williamson be the best when he's not even, like you said, most people don't even think he's getting the ball enough. I just don't. Yeah. Christian Lehner got the ball in every clutch situation. Yeah. And they executed to get him the ball. 
Obviously, people talk about Grant Hill, and he threw that you know seventy yard pass. Uh, Rick Pitino at Kentucky didn't front Leitner, so Leitner was able to catch the ball cleanly. And a lot of things went perfect, like you said, sure. the K. Clark play. Yeah, the pass to Grant Hill, even if it's a little off, that play doesn't happen. Right. So everything went perfect, similar to that K. A. Clark play. So when you're talking Duke, yeah, Duke best players in Duke at all of all time. If you're looking at strictly, <clears throat> I guess it's the way you look at it. You're looking yeah. strictly at how that individual performed at the college level and what they accomplished. It's Christian yeah. Leitner, hands yeah. down. Yeah. If you look at talent kind of talent wise, Grant Hill. Yeah, I think based on go what Grant Hill. based on what he did, not only at the college level but also in his first you know handful of seasons in the NBA, he was on track to be one of the best NBA players in history before he got he got injured. Yeah, Grant Hill right? was playing really and he was, great. He was great. As a young player for the Pistons, yeah. So two things that stand out. Uh, I was actually at a Clipper game at the old sports arena that's now tore down. When that – now, obviously, there was no Jumbotron. It was like a high school gym. The LA Sports Arena was really a big high school gym. It was great. You know, Donald Sterling didn't put no money into it. You know what I mean? It was yeah. Like, it, just, it was just a basketball gym. And it was the Milwaukee Bucks, I remember, uh, playing against the Clippers. I, I had went with the buddy just, just – for the hell of it. And it was 1992. And um, this they go, the guy over the, the the scoreboard said, you know, Kentucky, 103. Duke, 104. Whatever it was, it was Duke. He said Kentucky first. So he said, I Duke, 102. Can, you know, Kentucky, 102. Duke, 103. Everybody goes, and everybody goes, oh. But nobody had seen the shot. They just yeah. heard the score, you know. <laughs> so I remember a big hush came over the crowd like, man, that must have been a good game. Then we all saw what happened, you know, later on. I, I think I recorded the game. So we, we'd all saw what happened later on. Yeah. And then the second thing that happened was Grand Hill's senior year. Duke was back-to-back national championships with Grand Hill on the team. Then Leitner left. And Jason Kidd's Cal team knocked out Hurley. It was kind of like a passing of the torch in the tournament. It was a second-round game. They beat LSU, and then they knocked out Duke. Um, Cal. So everybody's like, this Jason Kidd guy is, is the real deal. So it knocked out Duke from going to their fifth straight Final Four. Yeah. So then the next year, I was like, Duke wasn't that talented, and, and Grant Hill took him to the championship game. Right. Uh, they lost to Arkansas. So, you know, Grant Hill gets a lot of credit because that Duke wanna... team wasn't as – Talented as the ones before. Sure. And you take a look at, I mean, you just yeah. look at Grant Hill's numbers in yeah. the NBA. His first few, he entered the NBA as a 22 year old rookie, was an all star. He was an all star in six of his first seven seasons, right? Wow. Which I didn't even realize you just said. Okay. I knew he was that good. So his second NBA season, he averaged 20.2 points, yeah. 9.8 rebounds, and 6.9 assists. That's like triple double type numbers. Yeah. Uh, That's so what, as second a number season, two pick. 21.4, yeah. 9.0, yeah. and 7.3 assists. That's. There's not who's in the NBA is doing that right now. Besides Very, James Harden, right? James Harden, LeBron, like yeah. th- that's the level kind of level player yeah. he was for kids yeah. who didn't get to see Grant Hill. How good he was in the NBA before he got injured. He was he was amazing yeah. in the season before his first major injury. Yeah, where he only played four games uh, in 2000 2001. Yeah, he was averaging 25.8, 6.6 rebounds, and 5.2 assists. And it was just like 1.4 steals. It was and just it was, like nothing. It was smooth like, as hell, and yeah. it was just kind of like okay, that's what he's Grant. doing. Yeah, that's what Grant does. I remember they were. Uh, they signed with Orlando, if I'm not mistaken, uh, McGrady and in 2000, 2001. Yep. And it was supposed to be like, man, this team's gonna, it's gonna be, be great nasty, right? In the East, and it just his ankle never recovered. I think he had to re break it or get the surgery again. Yeah, it was. I just... remember the social media pic they showed. Grant always showed that like the 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 scar and the the the, the staples in his ankle is really yeah. nasty. I mean, it just never recovered. No, but you look. So he missed. He played only four games in 2000, 2001. 
Yeah. Played 14 games in 2001-2002. The next season, he played 29. Then, in 2003-2004, he didn't even play at all. So he comes back wow. in 2004-2005 and has another all-star season with 19.7 <laughs> points, 4.7 rebounds, and 3.3 assists after multiple ankle surgeries and just not being the same player. He's not even the same player. So know. that just kind of shows how, how good, he, good was. he was. Yeah. So and back how to good the, that Duke team was. Correct. And going, so going back to the, the Duke argument and people trying to say Zion Williamson is the best player in the history of the program, Yeah. he's not. Yeah. Christian Leitner is the best college but, player in, in, in Duke history. By far. By far, and then Grant Hill is probably the best talent talent player from both college into the NBA. Because Christian yeah. Leitner had an okay NBA career. He was pretty good. He was solid. He was solid for the not, Hawks. I not, think he even played in an All Star game. He did. He played. Yeah. I think he played in one All Star okay. game. Uh, he didn't have like you know this, a crazy. He wasn't averaging you know twenty five and thirteen like nah. some people probably and, expected him to do. No, yeah, it, it was it was great. Uh, it, it worked out for him. I don't think Christian Lander's going back and say, shucks, I should have... I should. Yeah, I, I wish I had more, more balance or something. No, no, no he, he, he played fine. Um, you know, he was never going to be the, the pro that Alonzo Mourning and Shaq were going to be, and he outplayed them. Here's the thing. He I, outplayed them. I'm looking at his numbers right now. I don't think we're giving enough credit for how good he was in the he NBA. He was a good player. 18.2 points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists as a rookie. Yeah. That's, that's for Minnesota. That's, those are nice numbers. Yeah, and I think he was what the third pick of the draft. Yeah, behind yeah. Morning and behind Le- the guys he should have been drafted. Yeah, sure. They, whoever the MG Genos were then that year did a perfect job. They did a great job. Shaq one, Morning two. Yep. Later, later three. Those are three great college players. I mean, top top shelf college players. So, you know, I seen that that talk on the internet. Um, they're talking about. I thought I saw a take. Some of these, I hate to say it, but some NBA players, their takes are just horrible. What are we talking about? Yeah. So not somebody called the top 20 player in the league already? It was, uh, who was that? <laughs> who like, said that? Oh, no, that wasn't an NBA player. That was Colin Coward. He yeah, said he, Zion Williamson is already a top 20 player in the NBA. Okay, so let's take a look at the game uh, against Michigan State. A top 20 player in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, you, Duke, everybody's packing. Izzo's packing that zone in. Just daring somebody to shoot. So... I mean, you know, obviously Zion Williamson got to get the ball, but he, Devin, you mentioned it on the last pod. You had your reservations about Duke because they can't, they can't shoot. shoot. And, it's, and that's so, what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So, okay. Tell, so, so he's a top 20 player. So, yeah, put, put a top 20 player. So who's, who's okay, let's, let's, let's go from 15 to 20 in the NBA right now. Uh, let's pick anybody. Carl Anthony Towns. Would he be in the top 10? No, he's okay. not in the top 10. So you put Carl Anthony Towns on Duke. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And put Zion Williamson on Minnesota. Yeah. What's the, what's the correlation there? Does Duke beat Michigan State? I think so. Probably because Carl Anthony Towns can shoot the three. Yeah, the guy <laughs> can shoot better than anybody on Duke. Right. Right. You know that's the yeah. point we're trying to make. They, these guys still have to get better. I think when you look at that, obviously you see the highlights. Um, Zion Williamson has got plenty to work on, and he's not you know six, ten. No, he's six yeah, eight. You know, yeah, he's he's but obviously his jumping ability is off the charts. And jumping ability makes him eight feet tall. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean really. blocking shot. He's making people miss layups on the back end. They're yeah. scared. They're, I saw three or four layups just the last two games where people are like, "Oh, you're hearing it, footsteps." They're hearing footsteps. Yeah. They 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 shortchange it. Duke really could have lost the previous game and the one before and the US, uh, US, UCF game. UCF yeah. game. Really? <laughs> I mean, Zion Wilson intimidated a couple shots. No, for sure. It's just, you know, you're looking for him. So, obviously, because he's that level player, and those other guys are not that good. Um, <laughs> seriously, they're not right, that good. Right, 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 um, right. So, when you when you look at that, I think you go take a step back to historically. Uh, 
you know, when you talk about how good he is already, I think most people thought uh, the guy who was number one pick over Grant Hill in 1994, Glenn Robinson. He'd sat out his freshman Big year. Big dog. He, he had a great sophomore year. And by his junior year, everybody's like, why is this guy in college? You know, they, they didn't make, they were the number one seed. Duke beat him in the regional final. Uh, Grant Hill had a great game. And, and uh, I think most people thought Big Dog was about a top 50 player okay. in the world then. I remember, I remember hearing conversations like, how good this guy is. He's almost an NBA All-Star. And I thought that was right about right. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, he's not probably about top 50 player. Uh, I think Carmelo Anthony and LeBron, so meaning Carmelo Anthony is freshman year at Syracuse when yeah. he won it, and LeBron being a high school senior. I remember I had a debate with some people. I was like, LeBron's better. They're like, no way. This guy's in college. How could he be better? I'm like, dude, this guy in high school is unbelievable. Uh-huh. I go, if he was in college this year, he'd be the best leading, player. He'd be leading, leading his team right to get yeah. probably against Melo in the final. Right. You know what I mean? So I thought they were maybe top 40 to 50 players. Okay. I remember Magic Johnson was saying, he thought those guys should have been in the main All-Star game because they played in the rookie or the rookie-sophomore game. And He's they like, should have been in, right. in the main game. Yeah. LeBron should have been in the main oh, game. Oh, no doubt. So when you take a step further back, the two guys I look at uh, are Lou Alcindor coming out of into UCLA and Wilt Chamberlain in high school. So most people think, Wilt, uh, let's go start with Kareem first, actually, since he went to uh, UCLA, is... They thought he was maybe already a top 10 player in the world going into UCLA. And then he sat out his freshman year, and he was already the best player in college. Yeah. People knew it. They're like, this... Well, what's he even GMs, doing there? Yeah. NBA GMs were saying, like, I would trade all my team for that guy right now. The entire they, cross, yeah. Yeah, they were saying that they pull, they pull the Lakers. Shoot, yeah. They pull the Lakers front office trying to trade everybody for yeah. Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, some teams would have done that then. Yeah. For a high school player going into UCLA, he was, he was already a top 10 player in the world. So he's above... Now, obviously, the competition level is different. That's a different time. But he's above the level that Zion is. Right. You can't compare eras, whatever. But And then taking a step further back, uh, Wilt was already well-known around the country as a high school senior. He was averaging like 47 points a game. (laughs) He had a a 90-point game in high school. And people known him for the summer. He played up in the Cascos at the Cushers, uh, like Summer League. And he'd already played against um, pros. And he was already coached by Red Auerbach. So NBA he, players, NBA coaches would come and coach the summer yeah, league teams. And he beat the shit out of everybody. And people thought, well, going into <laughs> college, which was Kansas, was the best player in the world. Right. He was already better than everybody in the NBA. So just take a, it's just to take a summary of how high school or college players compare to their the, the whole realm. So I think it goes to show the fact that how many good players there are now. It's not that Zion Williamson is not at the level of those players I just mentioned, it's just there's the competition so good. Yeah. As we show, if you're a top 20 player in the world, you got to get to the final. <laughs> you <laughs> you got to get the final four. You got to beat that Michigan State team. So. Right, right. Yeah. yeah it, that's kind of where we'll leave that. But I think people are, I think that this topic is kind of discrediting what Zion's done yeah. to for Duke this year and for the overall college game. This year, he's made it exciting. You know, he made it exciting. Yeah. If you take Zion Williamson out of the equation and he goes one and done, yeah. I mean, the, the regular college season is just kind of kind of bland. bland yeah for sure I, because people thought the acc okay duke is very good um north carolina obviously north carolina gonna do it and look yeah. at it's another acc making it team virginia yeah. so uh-huh. that, that that was pretty exciting to say okay can this duke team win it i think everybody got a little too excited after that first game i, I don't see duke played much different than that first game okay they were like whoa this team is gonna smash through everybody but what they forgot about is they couldn't shoot. They couldn't shoot. No one could shoot. And the older teams 
are working hard, getting better, running their plays. Packing pack that zone. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, college basketball, man, Yeah, there's no three-second defense rule. You pack in a zone on teams who can't shoot, and a lot of kids yeah. these days coming out of high school, going into college, can't shoot. That's not catch a simple, yeah. a simple catch and shoot three point shot. Yeah, and and you got two lefties, so you know Izzo and other coaches, they're send, overplaying that. Send them right. Yeah, send them right. Jump the left. You know, it happened to RJ Barrett a lot. I mean, it happened to Zion a little bit. Obviously, he can jump over people maybe a little more than RJ. RJ's getting fouled a lot, but still, there was a couple bang bang plays. Everybody, everybody knew he was going back left. Both yeah. of them. And right, he, RJ goes. RJ goes right. He's pulling up for a jumper. Yeah, he goes left. He's going to the basket. I mean, yeah, it was pretty it was, well versed. Yep, they they were pre- well prepared, as we said. They're well prepared as as you know upper class seniors and leaders and and well prepared coaches. All these guys. So the final four will be Saturday, April sixth, uh, in Minnesota. Yep, uh, Virginia is playing Auburn, Texas Tech, and Michigan State. Who do you got winning those games? I got. Uh, I'm gonna go with Virginia. It seems like yep. they're very. I agree. They're very uh, playing that together, well versed. They're handling handling the ball well. Different guys can score. Auburn is missing the kid from Georgia. Oh, Kiki Chumo Kiki oh, Chumo Kiki, very good high school player. I, I I guess it. You know, they didn't it didn't bother them against Kentucky. Maybe they had that like we're yeah. gonna win it for our guy because yeah. he's 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 their best player. Okay, I, I wow. Well, Jared Jared yeah. Harper and yeah. And Jared the, the other guard, guard they're, yeah. they're both those guards are good, but they, Okiki might be the like most impactful player player on okay. both ends of the floor. Then that that's eventually going to hurt them, whether it's the final or the semifinal, if they get to the final. And Michigan State's just tough as nails. Yeah, I mean, really, man, that's a tough game. Though that I that's going to be just a a slug it out affair. Uh, I I don't see, you know, how is Texas Tech going to be Michigan State? I I don't see it right now. So I'll okay. go with Virginia. ACC versus Big Ten, Michigan okay. State. I hate, the I hate, final. I hate agreeing with you, but yeah. we're gonna agree. Okay, and we're gonna move to our next topic, which okay. we can't have a, a podcast really uh, without talking about the Ball Family. Yeah, let's, yay! Let's talk so a the, tri- bit the about triple, that. the triple B uh, All American Game, as, as they want to call it, uh, was this was past weekend. This past weekend in, in Vegas, uh, Lamelo played. Uh, Jameis Ramsey played. A couple other solid high school players uh, played in that game. So LeVar said that Melo is not going to play in the G League. They're not going to try and send him to college because, you know, it's probably not an option. And and the NCAA is probably not going to allow that to be an option. Um, It's going to be too much red tape. Too much red tape to get through. So LeVar said he's either going overseas to China or overseas to Australia for a year and then entering the NBA draft as as an 18-year-old once removed from high school. Right, because he turns yeah. eighteen in August. Yeah, which is which is a scary fact. Melo turning he's, he's younger than a lot of high school seniors now who played yeah. an entire year as a and nineteen. We just year old. Saw it's crazy. Pangles and prep hoops. Yeah, he's, he's, he's younger than he's some younger of those than, guys. He's younger than a lot of the guys who are playing who played high school this past year or are playing still in, as an quote unquote unsigned super senior. Yeah, in club events, Ronnie. Uh, is this the right move, or is or is one of those five hundred thousand dollar G League contracts a move? Well, um. I, I you know what we got to see the competition level. We right, is he playing? Is he playing in the top division in China? Or yeah, playing in the top division in Australia because those feature older former NBA players, players and good and very solid former college players, players yeah. and overseas players, right? That have been pros for a long time, so they don't screw around. As as Jeremy Tyler found out, as Brandon Jennings found out, it yeah. ain't it ain't it's not fun. It's not the fun. Oh, you're gonna go over there and it's gonna be a great great uh. 
Great time. You're having great a grand time. old time. And, and just dominate these guys. These are 30 year old guys. They're grown ass men. Yeah. Up <laughs> the bench. Drinking, drinking whiskey and fucking. Yeah. Yeah. The just, yeah. They're, 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 they're trying to get paid. They're trying to, you know, feed their family. So, yeah. uh, it's going to be a good experience for him if he can't, what other options does he have? But I don't know if he's going to thrive. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Obviously, he's a talented player. Um, I would so, rather see him in the G League just, just to see see his development. Yeah, more. and and it's more of a it's more of a controlled uh, NBA yeah, environment, yeah. right? You don't, yeah. The NBA execs and GMs don't have to fly yeah. fourteen hours to get a glimpse to, to get a glimpse at, at what he's doing and not rely on mixtapes or highlights or whatever. Yeah. Uh, going to your your quote your your point about uh, playing against grown men, yeah. Lavar said this is according to a USA Today uh, for the win blog said. Uh, the G League, he, he's not going to let 28, 29 year old dudes tee off on him, him being mellow, and try to make a name for themselves. Uh, so he's definitely going overseas to either Australia or China or one of the two. But it, that if you're going, he's not up, playing in the top. Isn't he, he's not going to play in top division if that's yeah. the reason why you're not going to the G League. Yeah. And how, does that help him? Um, I, I, playing is going to help him, but I, yeah, I you know, uh, but no, I don't think so. I think he's going to end up being the same prospect that we would see. In the, in the G League. In the G League. So, like I said, we like we said this past year, he's class of 219. Him going to play on, in the, on the big baller circuit in Lithuania, whatever you want to call it, didn't make him the number one <laughs> the big player. big baller circuit. Yeah, the, didn't make him the number one player in 219. No. He was the same player he was if he would have stayed at Chino Hills with the big O. About a top, you know, 7 to 15 player. And okay. I think it's going to be the same thing. I think if he's going to get drafted, it's, it's going to be about the same thing. Okay. I, I, I obviously think, as we saw with Zion Wilson and a few other guys, K.A. Clark, other players we could say, the experience, the exposure, the intensity of the games of college would have helped this kid more than where he's wherever he's going to go. I think it's. I think another thing that would, you know, obviously I don't think the spotlight. You know, I don't think playing in in college is an option for him based no. on you know, like you said, the, the Lithuania deal and yeah. all that stuff. So there's yeah. so much red tape, but. Uh, I think, he, you know, he's an extremely talented player. We, we've seen this for how long. We've saw him, yeah. you know, competing as an 11-year-old against 17 new players and, you know, shooting that shot that he flung behind his head and just, you know, fearless, yeah, savvy. Uh, he has all of that. Now he's, you know, 6'6". He's super skilled. You know, he's a good yeah. ball handler. His IQ, you know, for as many idiotic plays as you see posted on Twitter via, yeah. you know, mixtape guys and, and people filming in the stands – for as many idiotic plays as, as you see, there's as many brilliant plays from that kid that we've seen sure. that show that he does have a basketball IQ. Oh, yeah. The key is he has to be coached at some point. Like, legitimately, so, LeVar out, you know, yeah. everybody out. Let's get this done. His guy's out. Let's sit him down. Let's coach the guy and see what he's, like, really, really made of. Because Correct. he has the talent to be an NBA player. Yeah, I don't, we've talked about this before. He has the talent to be an NBA player. There's no question about that. Yeah, I don't think we've seen, really, like you said, what he's made of. And that's what I would like to see. Uh, I would have liked to see him, like, in this Texas Tech versus Michigan State game. Or, you know, the yeah. Virginia with, versus... With all everything on the line. With everything on the line. We've Let's seen that at the high school level as a freshman yeah. sophomore. Yeah. His freshman year, he had Lonzo and, yeah. and Jello to lean on. Correct. Sophomore year, I mean, they, they lost to Modern Day. They didn't get it done. So and He we, took a bad shot. He yeah. took a bad shot. He took a couple at bad the end shots. Of the, at the end of the, that game. So we Caitlin's still haven't seen... That's right. what I'm saying. In the thick of battles, what I want to see. So hopefully he's in a competitive league where he's not... It's not like he's the best player and yes. doing whatever he wants, and he's yes. not the worst player where he's not playing. Agree. He's got to be somewhere in that middle ground. In the middle ground, so he could sh- show what he does. So yeah, 
good luck to to Mallow. We were you know we're hoping he does well. And uh, and you but, might see him at the Balls Life All American Game on May fourth, Saturday yeah. in Long Beach, California. Yeah, Who knows? We, we got the ball. We got that that game coming up. We got Geico coming up. Uh, this weekend, the fourth to the sixth. You'll be there, so, right, Ronnie? Yeah, I'll be there. So Ronnie's about to fly out uh, Tuesday. Yeah, you know. We're is it cold? To, is it cold back it's there? It's gonna be it? pretty cold. So <laughs> you, you got any jackets, or you, you rocking with the with the short sleeve shirt and the yeah. and the uh, uh, little pants there? What do we yeah. got? Um, well, <laughs> I got the, uh, the. It'll be the championship game will be um, about twelve noon. That's uh, a six, right? On the six. So tune in, guys. The family ESPN family networks. The first round games are gonna be. On ESPNU on Thursday, second round games on the Deuce, as we used to call it. I don't know if they call it the Deuce anymore, ESPN2. ESPN. And then the final <laughs> game will be on Saturday the 6th on ESPN. So check out BallsLife.com. We got a lot of uh, free event lot of content. coverage. Yep. And got- also, who's next high school sports on yeah. on. Uh, various social media outlets yeah. they ha- they're having coverage yeah who's working in conjunction school? with each other here ballslife.com yeah. and who's next high school a lot of good coverage there yeah so we're trying to you know and obviously we'll have some behind the scenes footage on site and um should be a good event uh, i think lalamere is a slight favorite they've beaten montverde twice you know if img plays montverde in the semifinals you know that that's going to be a big time game if oak hill can win their first round game. You know, Cole Anthony's supposed to be supposedly healthy now. You know, he's had a little bit of injury there this year. He's been a little banged up as we've seen. Um, he and Isaiah Stewart are the leading candidates right now for for National Player of the Year. I think that kind of happened, Devin, because Cole kind of took the reins at McDonald's. He had a great start to the game. He kind of put a stamp on it. The mm-hmm. East won last Wednesday in Atlanta. He was the MVP, 14 points, 7 assists. Five rebounds, no turnovers, which is good for him. He seemed healthy, seemed locked in. Again, I, I predicted that Isaiah Stewart would have a good game because I figured he would be locked in because he's ready for this he's tournament. He's always locked in. Yeah, he's ready for this he, tournament. Yeah, where compared to, like we mentioned at the top of the show, some guys may be off for a few weeks or they, they've already completed their season. Um, I got one thought in the McDonald's game. You know, what did you see? That was, you know, it, that was hard to watch, man. Yeah, it was. It was really boring. Yeah, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I think people want to take. The whole thing into consideration, the practices, the scrimmage, the actual game wasn't. Was, the East won. The East just it put wasn't their even. Step on it was just like it. There was no. What is it? Fire energy. energy. It was just kind of just like. It was just hor- hard to watch. I, I I tune in and out. Like why? Why do you think that is? You think it's uh the, the location? Do you think no? It's, I think it's location. Just, it's it's just it's another all star game. It's, it's another game. A, it's These another kids game. play so many games. Okay. Like whether it's. Club, high school. Yeah. You know, these prep schools sometimes play 40 games in yeah. a season, right? Yeah. Um, so even high schools at... are up to like 36 games. Yeah. A lot of times, if you're if you're advancing all the way to your state championship game in California, you're playing 35, 36 games. So it's just another game, and these kids are so expo- – all these top-end talent kids, they're so exposed. They got 500,000 t- Instagram yeah. followers. Like, yeah. We see what so they much. do. Yeah, it's we see the, so The much. game lacks kind of – lacks the luster Fire. that it used to, used to have, I guess. I don't know, or – I don't know, man. It what was can just, it be done to to I, make all the All Star games a little better? Obviously, the balls. I wish game, I All Star last year was good because yeah. there was a few players that were competitive. I mean, this is even the best players. I mean, honestly, McDonald's does have the, for the most part, the best players. But like you said, sometimes the gameplay can be a little sluggish. A little, no, the crowd wasn't even into yeah, it. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe the selection committee. What maybe it's not a a game where it's top players ranking wise, right? You got to f- maybe find a couple guys who are trying to make get a name there. for themselves, okay. get to that level. And the guys who are hungry, who aren't 
used to the attention, who aren't used to yeah. the accolades and things like that. Find guys who, like a James Akinjo, or like you, like we yeah. had the Balls Life uh, game last yeah, year. Yeah, that or make a difference. A Clark that'll that'll get in there and want to go after some people. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. There's got to be one or two or three of those guys in those games that can fit. That will. Yeah, I saw. I noticed Devin in that All Star game, and this doesn't always happen. The top seven or eight guys were just head and shoulders above yeah. the guys that were like maybe picked 17 through 24. Okay. A few guys that looked like they didn't even belong. Yeah. Yeah, it looked pretty obvious because when you I think that's what you take away from Cole Anthony and James Wiseman a little bit. And maybe that's just an indictment on this class. They know how good they are. Mm-hmm. I, they can pick it up when they want. Right. I, People I can, give James Wiseman a bad rap yeah. because he kind of seems like he's coasting sometimes. Yeah. Cole, Cole too. I mean, he's yeah. been hurt. Yeah, but when they want to, the bright lights came on. They, 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 they were difference makers. Those are the moments that they kind of live yeah. for, really. Yeah, I think for Cole, that's that's true, and we'll see what he does. And if he can get past that first game at Geico, maybe he Oak Hill can get on a roll and, and get to the final. We'll we'll be watching. We'll see. So that's coming up. We got uh, we'll be covering the Jordan Brand game, which is for the first time in the West Coast. It's in Vegas. That'll be the weekend of the twentieth, and then the the Balls Life game will quote unquote finish off the. High school season, the most so. important game of all of them, by the yeah. way. So, <laughs> go ahead, Devin. We kind of close out. Let's, yeah, uh, I think that's that's a good place to to end. Um, again, think our, our last episode was the most listened to episode um, of since we started this podcast. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. We're trying to bring you guys as, as much good, fun basketball content as possible. Um, if you get a chance, please like and subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, various whatever various platforms. Are, and we'll be back again next week for uh, episode 18. We'll close it out here with Hard in the Paint with Ronnie and Devin. Thanks for listening.